You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head. And a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country. A villain, big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. And actually, this is Tuesday, Tuesday night. April 23rd, I'm about to play, uh, board my plane. <laughs> I'm about to get on the plane in just a little while and uh, fly to Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm actually recording this Tuesday night so it can drop Wednesday morning because Wednesday morning, as soon as I am actually in the city of Tennessee, which I will be, or city of Nashville, I mean, I'm going to be crazy, helter-skelter, banging up against the wall, trying to uh, get everything done. So I wanted to make sure I had this knocked out and done and recorded and posted before I ever had to worry about it once I got to Tennessee because I knew that there was going to be a lot of problems. So uh, I told you on Tuesday's episode that I was going to have Daniel Jeremiah, the teleconference, just the whole breakdown of the NFL draft. And that's exactly what I'm going to have on the show. But I do want to tell you what's going to happen in Nashville. So I'll be at, I told you on Tuesday as well, I'll be at the stadium. I'll be at the Titan Stadium uh, right there down, you know, downtown by Broadway. I'll be down there. And there's a, an event, there's a charity event that the NFL players or the draft prospects are going to go through. And then after that's over, what it is is you get an opportunity to go and talk. They give like a 15-minute window where you can go and talk to all the, the, the guys, all the guys that are there. And there's 22 of them that are going to be there. So Montez Sweat is the only guy that's not there. He pulled out. He was going to be there, but he decided not to be. He said he wants to spend the time with his family, and he very well might do that, but he also is a guy that's dropping on a lot of draft boards, and people are thinking he's going to have a, a slide like Mo Hurst, so I think that that might have something to do with it as well. He doesn't want to be that guy sitting in the green room just waiting and waiting and waiting, and that has to do with that heart condition that he has, and even though it doesn't sound like it's even as bad as Mo Hurst was, uh, still he could be in for a potential day one slide, maybe even day two slide, who knows, but we'll see, but he won't be there, so the other 22 guys will be in attendance. So the potential is for me to talk to guys like Josh Allen, linebacker out of Kentucky. DeAndre Baker, defensive back out of Georgia. Nick Bosa, defensive end, Ohio State. Marquise Hollywood Brown, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Brian Burns, edge out of Florida State. Devin Bush, linebacker, Michigan. Andre Dillard, offensive lineman, Washington State. Noah Fant, tight end, Iowa. Cody Ford, offensive lineman, Oklahoma. TJ Hawkinson, tight end, Iowa. Josh Jacobs, running back, Alabama. Daniel Jones, quarterback, Duke. Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri. DK Metcalf, wide receiver, Mississippi. Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma. Ed Oliver, defensive tackle, Houston. Montez Sweat, like I mentioned, will not be there. Jawan Taylor, tackle, Florida. Devin White, linebacker, LSU. Christian Wilkinson, defensive tackle, Clemson. Greedy Williams, cornerback, LSU, Jonah Williams, tackle Alabama, and Quentin Williams, defensive tackle Alabama. All of those guys, all 22 that I just read off, will be in attendance, and those will be, I'll have an opportunity to talk to each and every one of them. Sometimes I'll get you know a couple minutes with them one-on-one. Sometimes it'll be like a group thing, and you just got to jump in there. Either way, I'm going to make my rounds, and I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation, I did a hell of a job, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I got so many prospects last year in Arlington. I'm expecting to do bigger and better things this year in Nashville. So that's something to look forward to. I'll, as soon as I get that, I'll make sure that that's available for the podcast, and uh, you'll hear it just as fast as the radio audience that I'm, I'm doing it for on ESPN Central Texas. I'll be sending those back to the radio station, but it's uh, whatever the radio station gets, you're going to get on this podcast as well because any of these players that I just named off, matter of fact, there's a chance that even three of these guys, maybe even more of these guys, could be Raiders by the end of Thursday. Maybe by the end of Friday, there could be like four of these guys being Raiders. You just don't know. Again, Quentin Williams, that's my guy. He could be one. Devin White is a guy who could be one. Ed Oliver could be one. Hell, Kyler Murray could be one. I mean, there's so many. Josh Jacobs could be one. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Devin Bush, Brian Burns, Hollywood Brown. 
Josh Allen, DeAndre Baker. I mean, there's so many of these guys. Noah Fant, I said him. Uh, I mean, there's so many different guys that could potentially be Raiders, and they'll all be there so I can have firsthand access to talk to them. So that's one event that I'll be at. That starts at about 9 o'clock, runs to 11, media availabilities right after that. Boom. Uh, talk to them, then jump into Uber and head over to a hotel and then go to the uh, media availability for NFL Network. So guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Steve Smith Jr., uh, Ian Rappaport, um, who else? Uh, Steve Mariucci will be there. Uh, Kurt Warner should be there. Michael Irvin should be there. I mean, all these guys, all the guys that you see on NFL Network all the time uh, talking, uh, breaking down film, uh, Brian Baldinger. I mean, there's all kind of guys that will be there. And I, again, I know Bucky Brooks is not uh, a favorite of Raider Nation, but he'll be there, you know. And, and all those guys that he communicates with, and, and all the guys that are always, you know, on the on the shows, different shows, they're all going to be available. That is always a real, real fun. It's like a luncheon slash media session as well. So that's going to take place. That'll be just on Wednesday. And then Wednesday night, as you're preparing for, you know, the draft the next day, we'll go out and about on the town where different media members go and, and go hang out. And I'll get one on one time with with those cats, you know. And so I, I start if you don't know already, your boy is very friendly. So I, I just meet everybody and I start talking to him just like MJ Acosta at the Super Bowl. That's how I got her on the podcast. Uh, I just saw her walk by me and I recognized her and I said, hey, MJ, and I introduced her to myself or I introduced myself to her. And uh, that's when she told me that she listened to the podcast and she knew exactly who I was. And that was kind of cool. And, um, you know, now we're now we're cool friends. Now we, you know, we'll text message about the Raiders and we'll, you know, hey, can you come on the show or can you do this? Yeah, no problem, Q. It's all good. Or she'll hit me up and give me, you know, give me what she's hearing or whatever. And it's really cool, man. She's, she's a really cool person and like I said covers the the team really well but that's how I met her Omar Ruiz you know I'm a real I'm real good buddies with him I hung out with him after the Super Bowl uh matter of fact at a hotel we stayed at that hotel till about three in the morning uh just drinking and and BSing and talking about the the Super Bowl but it was awesome you know and it's just it's just that networking Raider Nation and that's what uh, I try to do really really well and I have a lot of fun with it but that's just how you just kind of build your brand and then at the same time you know you meet more people and the more people you meet the more people you could talk to the more people you could talk to the more stuff I could bring to the podcast so oh Wednesday is going to be action action packed I cannot wait um so again that's why I'm doing this podcast a few hours early because I'm going to get on my flight in just a few minutes and I don't want to not have this podcast this episode out there for you you know when I travel a lot of times things get a little crazy sometimes a little squirrely but I think that everything should be fine this time. I'll have a lot of recorded stuff that I'll be able to bring to you. I got my phone so I can use my voice memos. It might not sound as crystal clear as it usually sounds, but it'll still be really, really good. So I'm going to bring that to you as well. So looking forward to it, man. Going to have a lot of fun, and hopefully you uh, get a lot out of it as well in this draft experience. Uh, obviously, it's going to be great for me being there, but hopefully it's great for you as well. I can, I'm can i trying to, to bring you through the process as much as I can through this podcast, and almost like you're there if you're not there. So that, that's the goal. We could talk about it afterwards and make sure that I achieve that goal. And if I didn't, well, then we'll figure out what I could do a little bit better, if that makes any sense. So coming up next, segment number two, I'm going to have Daniel Jeremiah breakdowns, really good teleconference that he did, and uh, talking about a lot of these different prospects. And some of it pertains directly to the Raiders, and some of it in a roundabout way could be towards the Raiders, just based off some players that we're going to be talking about. So uh, you'll hear from Daniel Jeremiah next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are, segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Told you you're going to hear from Daniel Jeremiah on his teleconference, his NFL draft teleconference, real good uh, stuff. He talked about a lot of players in the in the draft, upcoming defense, offense, just all kinds of stuff. Dives really deep into it. I think the teleconference was about an hour and a half long. I took a lot of good stuff out of it, broke it down question by question, and I just have it for you. So uh, hopefully you enjoy this. This will be a lot of NFL draft stuff. So just to start things off, matter of fact, I did this for the Combine too, right before the combine, I did one, and I know a lot of people enjoyed it. So hopefully, you enjoy this as well. So here's DJ's opening statement, just giving a rundown into what ex- to expect from this year's draft. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun draft. Um, you know, we kind of look at it from the thirty thousand foot view here. Um, I think there's about fifteen to sixteen players that everybody in the league kind of agrees are the top guys. And then after that, once you get to, uh, you know, 17, 18, all the way to, you know, 50 or 60, they're in 
all different order uh, there. So it creates a, a lot of uncertainty of what's going to happen in the back half of the first round, which will be fun. And, um, you know, as we stand right now, it still looks like Kyler Murray, uh, to me, will be the first overall pick, but that's not nailed down. So there's a little bit of drama still left uh, at the top of the draft. But uh, it's a historically good defensive line group, and I think we'll see that reflected in the in the first 15 picks of this year's draft. Alright, so that was the opening statement right there. Daniel Jeremiah on his teleconference that he did for the NFL draft. Now he's talking about Montez Sweat, a guy that many Raider fans are high on. Why is he slipping down his draft board, and who else might slip? More so than anything else, you know, the, uh, the medical um, and the character is what gets guys removed from your board. I have not talked to anybody on Montez Sweat that has uh, that has completely removed him from their board, um, but it is. I have talked to some teams that ah, we have a little bit of a concern there, and it can be a tiebreaker. So the reason why I have him kind of sliding down a little bit, not because of anything he's done as a player, or because um, you're worried he's, he's failed a bunch of physicals. Um, I have him sliding down a little bit because if if you feel somebody else is in that same range or same ballpark, it can be kind of a tiebreaker. Um, so that's why I had him uh, slide into the Giants there. Uh, in the first round, but uh, I don't anticipate you're going to see a major fall with him. Um, the other medical stuff, you know, it, it's interesting. This year, for the most part, um, the medical guys have been more fourth, fifth, sixth round type players, and I, and I always feel weird trying to put that stuff out there. If it's not already out there, I'm not trying to put anybody's medical information out there, so I, I won't go there on those guys, but I can tell you, you know, a player like Hollywood Brown, um, people are very confident. I talked to a general manager this morning that, that they feel 100% confident he'll return um, to what he was, and their doctors were fine with him. Um, you look at the uh, the situation with Jeff Simmons, uh, there's a confidence uh, in him that he's going to be back to, to full strength. So I've actually got really good medical reports on some of those injured guys, you know, first, second round type guys. All right, little info right there on Montez Sweat. And again, that's a guy that a lot of Raider fans are really, really high on. So that was Daniel Jeremiah talking about him and a couple others. Now, the next question is an Eagles-related question, but it has to do with running backs that can be found later in the draft around 50 to 60 range. So that's why I'm putting it on here because it does pertain to guys that could be potential second round, maybe third round running backs instead of going for a Josh Jacobs in the first round. Here's DJ talking about running backs in the 57 to 60 range. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be kind of the sweet spot. I think you'll see some running backs kind of go in the late second, early third round. Um, you know, you look at Damian Harris from Alabama. Uh, I think he kind of fits that bill. It's kind of whatever style you want. Um, I, I think, you know, the real intriguing name, which has some risk, you talk about medical, uh, just because of the, the number of injuries that Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma has had. But his upside is tremendous. I mean, you can go watch him. Um, in the game against uh, Georgia in the bowl game last year, and you can kind of see what he is. I mean, he is a tremendous player, uh, but that would be kind of a wild card. Um, and then uh, and then in that bottom second, I think that's probably where the conversation comes in with Justice Hill from Oklahoma State, who's just pure speed. You know, you bring in a Jordan Howard, you kind of have the power guy. They've got to find a way to get more explosive, and that's where, you know, somebody like that would make some sense to me, and that's I think most people have him in the third round range, but bottom of the second round, I think it's fair to have that conversation with a guy like Justice Hill, uh, who would make some sense there. Uh, I thought early on in the process, you might have a chance to see the uh, the Penn State running back at that point in time and Miles Sanders, um, but there's just too much juice on him. There's too much heat. Uh, there's too many teams that like him. I think he'll more than likely be off the board at that point in time. Next up, Daniel Jeremiah talking offensive tackles. That could be first-round guys. He's talking Jonah Williams. He's talking Andre Dillard and Jawan Taylor. Who is the safest pick out of all those three? Again, Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, and Jawan Taylor. Here's Daniel Jeremiah talking about those guys. To me, the safest, I would probably say Jonah because, um, look, Jonah's played a lot of ball at a very high level against elite players. Um, he's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. I believe he can kick inside. I think that's where, you know, where I personally where I think he's going to end up. I think he's going to be a very good player in there. Uh, but when you consider the, the number of snaps, the level of competition, um, the way he's come across in, in interviews with teams around the league, I've, I've heard he's been very impressive. To me, he's the high floor guy. Um, now, is he have the, you know, he's not, he's not, he doesn't have that type of size or, or elite athleticism that I would put the ceiling very high, but I think he's got a chance to be just a real solid player. Um, maybe he could even be a Pro Bowl player on the inside, in my opinion. 
Um, then when you go to highest upside, to me, it's Dillard. He's the he's already the best pass protector in the bunch. Got a chance to do a lot of it there uh, for Mike Leach at Washington State. So he did a nice job at the Senior Bowl in the run game, um, getting better every day. It just he wasn't exposed to it. So getting a chance to to show that he could pick that up and learn and grow, I think he's got a chance to be you know a, a real solid in the run game. He's not going to be somebody that's going to drive you to the ground, uh, but he can just kind of get on you, stay attached, and and stay walled up. Um, but the, the pass protection and the athleticism was what gives him the highest upside. And then Taylor, to me, is uh, he's just the most physical. I mean, he's somebody that just gets, he can move people in the run game uh, at the point of attack. Um, I think he's going to be a really good right tackle. Some people think he's going to kick inside. I think he can hold up out there. Um, he's athletic enough when you watch him against Florida State, against Brian Burns, uh, he was able to kick out and, and cover him up with the speed. But to me, he's just the nasty guy um, who's, uh, who brings who will bring the most physicality to the position. He's probably got some work to do just technique-wise, hand-wise, um, that, that needs to be ironed out compared to the other two. So to answer your question about some room to grow, he would probably be that guy. But to me, you've got the elite pass protector, you've got the steady Eddie, and then you've got the mauler. That's how I would describe those three guys. I like that breakdown that he had on that. I, mean, I really, really do like the breakdown. And really, it's it's you pick your flavor. You pick your flavor out of those three guys. And, hey, look, offensive tackle still a position that the Raiders may go after. Some kind of offensive lineman might, might be a guy that they go after in the first round. You just really don't know. Maybe in the second round, even if, if somebody drops. So who knows? But uh, I, I definitely think that the offensive line will be addressed at some time during the draft. Next one, DJ is talking Iowa tight end TJ Hawkinson, what he likes about him and who he reminds him of. And here's just a little hint. TJ reminds him of a future Hall of Famer. Here he is. He is not the uh, like Vernon Davis, who we saw go really high, who just had that rare, you know, rare athleticism. He's not that. Um, I, I just think when you look at the success of a player like Jason Witten and the career that he's had and the skill set he possesses, I know a lot of people have, have made the uh, comparison with Gronk. You know, Gronk is a Gronk is a unicorn. Uh, as big as he was and as athletic as he was, he there's I don't know that we'll ever see anybody like him. Um, but with, with Hawkinson, I just look and, and see the way Jason Witten has had his career, and I think, uh, I think he's got a chance to be that exact same guy. And if you, you know, he's going to, Witten's going to be a Hall of Famer. If we had to do that draft over again, he'd go in the, he'd go in the top 15, no question. So, um, that's who I see him as. I think we, we talk so much about him in the run game and how dominant he is, which he's outstanding, and it's, it's just hard to find guys that are good in the run game at the tight end position now. Um, but I think, you know, he's not a, he's not a four five guy. He ran, you know, four, seven flat. He's very, very skilled as a route runner. He's nuanced. Um, he's a guy that knows how to use leverage and create separation. And to me, and you look at the tight ends that have played long, long, long careers, you know, at the end of their careers, you know, Antonio Gates is still going, he can't really run right now. And you look at the Gonzalez at the end of his career, these tight ends are still productive because they understand the nuance. They understand how to, how to work in space. Uh, there's a craftiness to that position. You know, all the option routes that you can run. He's really, really good at all that stuff. He's just not going to blow right by you and run past you. He's going to have to set you up. But I, I think he's a little underrated as a, as a route runner and a, and a, catch, a pass catcher. Um, but Jason Witten, to me, that's what I envision him being. So, Raider Nation, in Daniel Jeremiah's mind, if you go and get TJ Hawkinson, you have the potential of getting a Jason Witten. Not Jason Witten from ESPN, but Jason Witten from the Dallas Cowboys. Interesting stuff right there. Next up, this is something that's real, real major. We talk about this on the podcast a lot. Daniel Jeremiah talking about social media and how that can affect a player's draft status. Very, very interesting stuff right here. Uh, every team in the league has uh, has somebody that's combing through that. And they, what they've done is they've gotten smarter. And instead of running these uh, these checks, you know, at this point in time in the process, they're identifying these guys as prospects, as young players, as freshmen um, and sophomores. And they're beginning to collect all that information and run all those those reports on their social media, you know, years before they're even draft eligible. Uh, most of the smart teams are, are doing that. Everybody is digging into it. And I've been on a team, you know, I, my last year in scouting was 2012. Um, but even during that time, and obviously social media has exploded since then, 
But even during that time, we had, uh, I can remember one specific player, I won't say who he was, but had lots of, lots of guns in his, uh, in his social media stuff. And it was like, you know what, we're just, we're not going to mess with him. Um, and we took him completely off of our board. Now he had some other character stuff that, that concerned us, but that was kind of the last straw was like, nah, that's not, that's not our guy. So I guarantee you every year, all 32 teams, um, somebody uh, on their board will be removed because of something that's taking place in their social media. Just don't press send. Don't do it. No reason to press send. Don't put anything out there that can come back to haunt you later. That's the basic message on that. And uh, honestly, uh, we see it all the time. And, you know, we heard stuff rumblings this year. Last year it was what, Josh Allen? Was it Josh Allen? Yeah, it was Josh Allen. This year, Nick Bosa, you know, talking about stuff that he said and political views and gays and racial slurs and I mean it's stuff like that you know it's, there's a lot of different things that don't need to be on social media and if they are out there you don't need to associate yourself with it because it just comes back to bite you in the long run it really really does I stay 100% away from all that stuff I really pick and choose what I either retweet or talk about on Twitter because man oh man at some point and I'm nobody these guys are risking not millions but you know they're, they're trying to get millions there's no reason to get caught up on something stupid that's on social media. So uh, that was good stuff right there from DJ. Next, he's talking about the pass rushers that may be available at the back end of round one and what kind of player they might be. This is something interesting just in case the Raiders don't get an edge rusher right there at number four and they have to wait till 24 and 27. What could they be getting at that range? Yeah, in, uh, in terms of the back end of the first round, I mean, look, there's um – there, there's you're going to find different guys. I mean, that somebody that can play inside and outside. I, I look at, at somebody um, that's primarily going to be playing inside. Like Jerry Tillery kind of falls in that. He falls in that range of somebody that can get to the quarterback. Um, he would just do it from uh, from an inside alignment. Um, you know, you can look at guys, and you know, we're looking at, at pure pass rushers. But an interesting uh, an interesting name is is a guy like Dexter Lawrence. You know, where where does he fill in? And, yeah, you know, he doesn't rush the passer. Um, he hasn't had an opportunity to rush the passer that much. But when you've got edge pressure and you've got somebody on the inside that can create some pocket push, um, there's some value for somebody like that who can have an impact as a pass rusher without necessarily, um, you know, winning with quickness or, or, or getting it done himself. He can impact it uh, in that regard. They'll have an interesting decision to make if, uh, if Jeffrey Simmons were to somehow fall down there who I think can move up and down the line of scrimmage. Uh, but, again, you've got to uh, you got to wait out the injury coming off the ACL and, uh, and see where he is at that point in time. But, the you know, the pure edge guys, you know, I, I think it's too early uh, for a guy like Jalen Ferguson at that point in time. Uh, I think it's too early for somebody like L.J. Collier. Um, those are the type of guys, you know, Chase Winovich would be, that would, you know, the conversation could start there. I think he probably is more of a trade-back scenario. But, um, I hear what you're saying. They're in a little bit of no man's land if you're just looking for a pure edge rusher in the in the bottom of the first. That's very interesting stuff and very interesting that it's so defensive tackle heavy. Not a lot of real edge heavy, but defensive tackle. Again, that's why a guy like Jalen Ferguson, to me, looks real good at number 35, but that's that's just me. All right, final cut for this segment. Daniel Jeremiah on all the Ole Miss players. <laughs> DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf, excuse me, AJ Brown, and offensive lineman Greg Little. So two wide receivers and offensive lineman. Here's Daniel Jeremiah talking about these Ole Miss players. You know, Metcalf, I feel like I'm a little bit of a, of a Metcalf defender. I think he's been a, a popular target for people to kind of go after and say, you know, hey, well, I can't do this. There's three cone and this, that, and the other. And the production wasn't there. Look, the guy got hurt. Uh, you know, he missed time. He's he's obviously the height, weight, speed. Everybody saw that at the combine. But he's made plays when he's been healthy and on the field. He's made plays. He's a pure vertical threat. He's going to be an X wide receiver um, who's going to be a big target. I, I, you know, I couldn't find the exact home form in my last mock draft. I do believe he'll go in the first round. Um, it's just a matter of finding that team and who that is. You know, I, I wouldn't sleep on the a team like the Baltimore Ravens would make some sense. Um, who knows what the Packers will do. Uh, I, I think those those teams uh, make some sense for him. I do think he ultimately ends up going in the first round. Um, AJ, I think, is probably going to go early second round. I think we'll see a run on those wide receivers. Um, somebody looking for uh, for a, a real sturdy, firm slot receiver. I know he's played outside, but I think he ends up uh, playing inside. Um, somebody that you, you wish was just a little bit taller 
Um, but the toughness is there. Work in the middle of the field and the run after the catch is what you love. I think, uh, you know, to me, though, he's, he's got to play inside. So if you're looking at, at something to knock him on, I, I don't see him as an outside as an outside guy. Little teams are all over the map on him. Um, I, I like him. I like him in that, in that you know, middle, middle to late second round range. But I would not be shocked in the least if we had a run on tackles and, you know, you start hearing his name, you know, potentially a, a team like Houston. Um, if the, all those tackles are gone, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if he snuck into the first round, and that would be the spot that I would look at him for. Uh, if not, you know, he, he will not get out of the second round. Um, he's somebody that's just, you know, there's, there's a lot to work with there. He's got some flaws. His hands can get a little bit wide at times. He's not always square. Um, there's a little bit of stiffness. But you've got you've got size. You've got somebody that can move people. Um, he's got a real good anchor in pass protection, which you love, and he's pretty good in the pole game. Um, so there's things to like about him. I like him in that second round range, and I think ultimately that's most likely where he goes. But I would not be shocked if uh, if somehow he snuck into the first. All right, there it was. That was just the first half. That was segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, you're listening to Daniel Jeremiah on his teleconference talking all things NFL draft he did it late late last week and I got it I broke it down so we can have this on the podcast just like this so hopefully you're enjoying it if you are segment number three you'll hear the second half that's coming up next on the Locked On Raiders podcast you are Locked On Raiders your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day All right, Raider Nation, here we are, segment number three on today's show on Wednesday, April 24th, 2019, one day before the draft, and we've been having a lot of fun, or I've been having a lot of fun, going through Daniel Jeremiah's teleconference that he had, talking all things NFL draft, gave you the first half in segment number two, now going to finish things off here in segment number three, actually got a couple extra cuts than I had in uh, segment number two, matter of fact, I think I had eight or nine in segment number two, I think I'm going to have about 12 or 13 here in segment number three, so let's get right into it, right? Right now, uh, we're going to start off talking about quarterbacks. Daniel Jeremiah on Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Well, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's just really two things. And it's, you know, the one-year starter deal is the same thing that Kyler Murray, you know, gets hit on. Um, but we have, obviously, the, the landing spot for Kyler Murray with Arizona. Um, when you look at, uh, at what you have with Dwayne, the one-year thing is one part of it. The other part of it is is uh, it's just the, the mobility concerns. You know, is he going to be able to create time? Is he going to be able to, to move around and get away from pressure, which nine times out of ten, if you're getting picked in the top ten, you're on a team that's not great up front, and you're going to have to be able to protect yourself and get away from some pressure. And that's the, uh, that's the concern with him. You know, sometimes – I see him when I study him that the eyes are quick. I mean, he's moving his eyes through progression. He's getting there with his eyes, but sometimes his feet are a little bit late to catch up. Um, but, you know, what I like about him, he's, uh, he's, he's a firm, sturdy guy. I think he'll be able to hold up physically uh, the way he's built. He can drive the ball. He can layer the ball. Um, you look at the, the progression of him from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, I mean, it's a clear trend line that he's going in the right direction. And I would even add on to that the pro day, which was outstanding. Uh, he moved around a little bit better in that pro day than, than I anticipated. Um, so that helps him. It's just a matter of finding a home for him. Um, he has, of all the quarterbacks, you know, you talk to teams, he's in the mix with all these teams. Some teams are, you know, really like Daniel Jones or some teams really like Drew Locke, but they, you know, they aren't as high on, on the other one. But when you talk about the discussion, I think Dwayne is the the number one or number two guy with the most teams. It's just you don't know if he's going to be the number two guy for all of them, and then that could cause him to slide. Uh, but when I look at landing spot six, I would not rule out Denver. Uh, I would not rule out Cincinnati. And, uh, and just lately, believe what you want to believe, but there's a lot of chatter talking to people around the league that Washington is uh, – is, is high on Haskins. So um, I, I don't think when it's all said and done, he gets out of the top 15. I know there's all this talk about uh, could he fall and, and how far could he fall. 
I, I just don't see that happening. Interesting thoughts right there on Dwayne Haskins. Going to be very interesting to see where he goes on Thursday. A lot of smoke out there that the Raiders are real high on him. A lot of smoke that he could be dropping down many boards. I mean, it's just a lot of smoke and how much is going to be true. What's going to prove to be true at the end of the day? We'll only find out on Thursday and obviously on Friday as well. Now, next, Daniel Jeremiah has asked about Stanford's Bryce Love. Because he's coming off that torn ACL, he's obviously going to drop in the draft. Does he think he could be a sleeper in the draft this year? Yeah, you know, it, he's interesting because you just don't hear anything about him. It's almost a little bit of out of sight, out of mind uh, after the injury he's had. I know we'll have Coach Shaw on our uh, on our draft coverage. I'm looking forward to catching up with Coach, and, and he is a he is a big fan of Bryce. And you go back and look at the production the year before, what he did when he was healthy. Um, there's a there's a lot to like there, and he's got uh, big time big time speed. All indications are he'll come back uh, fully healthy from this ACL. He should be fine. The the little bit of a concern was just he wasn't used much out of the backfield in the past game. You know, that's kind of the, the uh, you know, you look at Christian McCaffrey, the production he had in the passing game in that offense, you just didn't see the same, uh, the same thing from Bryce. So you're lacking a little bit in size, and you don't know exactly what you're going to get from him in the passing game. That's what kind of dings the value a little bit, you know, as, as well as the injury. So, um, I, I think he's got somebody, if he can continue to work and improve in that area and he returns to health, um, you, you might end up getting a real steal. In, in terms of where he goes, um, people around the league, I think you, you hear more kind of in that uh, that fifth round type range is, is where he could land himself, which would make him a definite sleeper if he returned to form. Really interesting. I put that one in there because I know that Bryce Love has been someone that people have talked about. Like if the Raiders could get him later in the draft and just kind of shelve him and give him a redshirt year for uh, 2019 and have him come back strong in 2020, could he be the next guy? Could he be the next running back, that bell cow for John Gruden? It's a very interesting thought right there, and so that's why I wanted that to be included. Next up, Daniel Jeremiah is just talking about the AFC West in general general, and what he thinks each team will look to add in round number one. Obviously, this has to do with the Raiders as well. You know, look, it, it's going uh, to be interesting to see what happens in the AFC West. When you look at, at what the Mayock's done and the Raiders have done in the offseason, adding some firepower there, and you kind of look at the division as a whole, and now you see a, a division with, with Antonio Brown, with Tyreek Hill, um, we obviously Sammy Watkins. You see, you know, Cortland Sutton, who's got a chance to be a, a rising star uh, in the league, who brings a lot of size. The Chargers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. There is a there is a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. When I don't think it's a mystery that those teams in the division looking for secondary help. Um, so trying to find guys in the secondary that can come in and play and compete right away. I think you might see that theme emerge from the uh, from the AFC West. Um, you know, the Raiders will have three cracks at it. I don't think there's anybody in the secondary worth taking in the top uh, of the draft. I, I think that ends up being a, uh, a pass rusher. You know, whether or not that's, that's Ed Oliver or Quentin Williams, those would be my two guesses. And then you get to the 20s, I could see a, uh, you know, a little bit of a mix there. It could be a, uh, could be a running back, uh, could be a receiver. You know, I think maybe you get a chance to get an offensive player with one of those picks. But I'll be surprised if one of those picks in the 20s is not somebody in the secondary that can come in and, and play right away. Um, then you get to Kansas City. You know, I, I think that, that just looks like corner to me. Um, you can see, uh, you know, Byron Murphy, Agree Williams, somebody like that. Uh, the Chargers, um, safety um, is an opportunity there. They could look at it a pure free safety. Um, and they could also go look at the corner position as well. I think I had to take a rocky center from Temple. Um, who's somebody that, that has the toughness that Gus likes to go along with uh, with some ball skills. And then Denver, I guess I uh, skipped over Denver. Um, to me, I know they've done a lot of homework on quarterbacks, but I just can't see them taking a quarterback when they haven't even seen Joe Flacco take a snap in this offense. Um, so I would imagine they try and get somebody that can help him out there. Um, and you can look along the, uh, the offensive line, and I would not sleep on uh, Hawkinson. If Hawkinson were to get there to Denver – um, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all because he'll help their run game as well as their passing game. All right, that's some good stuff right there, man. really like these, man. I love having these uh, teleconference and breaking them down, and I use a bunch of these on the radio show on ESPN Central Texas, but definitely love bringing them to you as well. Hopefully you're getting a lot out of it and getting you hyped up and ready for tomorrow night's draft. Next, thoughts on Virginia's defensive backs 
Juan Thornhill, and Tim Harris. And I really included this one because Brother Marquise at the 305 sent me a text message or a text message asking me to ask one of my my uh, draft guys about Juan Thornhill and what his thoughts on him were. And so when he already was asked about him, I thought, Brother Marquise in the 305, he's going to appreciate this. So, uh, yeah, this one's for you, my man. Uh, Thornhill is uh, he's a player that I really like. I mean, he's somebody that, you know, he can play – safety, he can play corner. I like him as a pure free safety. I think that's his best spot. Um, I know he can uh, he can drop down and cover if you want him to, but I just love his range. In, in a draft where, you you know, we've got a lot of guys that can play down low and can be forced players, uh, but he's somebody, I, I just like his ability to play in the middle of the field, to range around and uh, and make a bunch of plays that way, and that's what, uh, what gets me excited about him. Now, the concern is you're going to have to live with some fly-by missed tackles um, that's going to be part of it. And, and some teams, that's why they just say, we're going to put him at corner. They have concerns about him in the run game. They feel like they can eliminate some of that uh, with him playing corner. So um, I, just for me personally, I'm, I think pure free safeties are hard to find right now. They can play over the top, and that's where I would put him. Uh, with Tim Harris, I mean, the height-weight speed is phenomenal. Um, you watch him against, uh, you know, Virginia Tech. You can see his kind of instincts in zone. I just thought he was raw, uh, a little bit stiff. I thought he was a developmental project. So I put him in the, uh, you know, to me, he was in the, at the end of the draft, sixth, seventh round, uh, height, weight, speed corner uh, with, a, with a lot of work to do in, in man especially. All right. Next up, Daniel Jeremiah is talking wide receivers in this class that can create separation over size. And what does he think is most important, size or separation? And what he means by that is basically the question was, well, it's being talked about in the new NFL, the way the NFL is going, that's more important for these wide receivers to be able to just create separation, basically be burners over guys that are big, you know, bigger, taller wide receivers. And so Daniel Jeremiah is going to talk about size and separation and then guys that he likes. So here he is talking wide receivers. Yeah, I I think, look, I I still think there's a place for size when you get down in the tight red zone. um, You know, we, we can see, you'll see a lot of pick plays and you want to play you want to play man coverage down there you'll see a lot of those rub routes and you can you can escape and do some of those things but I, I always I always go back to the theory of trying to get uh, you know a basketball team I, I want some of everything I don't want to trot out a team with a bunch of little guys and I don't want to try to team out there of all power forwards I want to have a uh, a mix of size and, and skill set but you know I, I do get um, the thought on on separation to me that's more important when you're in the uh, when you're between the 20s. I think that side does play uh, once you get down there uh, in the red zone. In terms of being able to really separate, in the you know we can kind of go through a couple rounds here. Um, obviously, in the first round, if you want separation, Hollywood Brown is uh, <laughs> he's your guy uh, for doing that. Uh, Nicole Hardman from Georgia, he creates a ton of separation. Um, some guys do it with speed. Some guys do it with route running. Uh, I really like Ridley from Georgia. I know he didn't test well. I know he doesn't have a ton of production, but that dude knows how to run routes, and he generates separation. Um, talking to people around the league, he's probably going to end up going in the third round uh, when it's all said and done, which I think is a, uh, which is a tremendous uh, bargain for me. Uh, but he's somebody that can definitely create some separation. As you go uh, kind of through the rounds here, a guy like Travis Fulgham from Old Dominion, is another one who you know ran four five eight, but he creates separation. He gets away from people. He's a really good route runner. Um, Emmanuel Hall from Missouri is probably you know top three vertical receiver in this draft, and uh, he runs away from everybody. He, he definitely um, can create some separation. And then if you want to go late, you know really late is uh, somebody in the slot that can uh, that can create some separation. You just watch Penny Hart from Georgia State at the Senior Bowl. Uh, in the job he did of, of creating separation. He's just a, a really good player. Doesn't wow you with height, weight, or speed, uh, but he knows how to get away from people and create some room. So there he was talking wide receivers, size, and separation. Next up was a question about Iowa State players David Montgomery, the running back, and Hakeem Butler, the wide receiver, how they fit on the next level, and uh, what kind of what kind of team would be looking for those guys, David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler, uh, two guys from Iowa State? Montgomery is one of my favorites. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be really fascinated to see where he goes because, the, you know, you got a 4 6 3, 40 out there, which is, is okay. It's not great. But, man, this guy is so instinctive. You know, the patience he has, 
um, the vision. He can make you miss. He's just not going to blow the doors off you with his with his speed. But I, I think he is built to run at the next level. You know, in terms of offenses, he could fit. I think he fits any of them. Um, he can run inside. Um, he's, he's a good zone runner. He's got the, the vision and the feel for that. Um, he's decisive. So uh, I think he fits anything. I just think if you're, you know, if you if you're looking for some elect, electricity and just big time, big time top end speed, if that's your flavor, uh, which I think is a little overrated at that position, then then maybe he's not your guy. But I could I could definitely translate him uh, to anybody. Uh, when you look at Butler, he's one of the more difficult ones for me. Um, I really I, I see what he does. I watched him more last night. I, I've continually just keep coming back and watching more because he's um, there's a lot of things I like. Uh, six five plus, he's almost 230 pounds. He, he ran much faster than I anticipated in the four fours. Um, I just when I watched him, I thought, okay, he's a little bit of a plotting long strider uh, type. He's got a lot of drop passes, which concerned me. Um, but then you see some of the circus catches. He, I love the competitiveness that he has after the catch. He just refuses to be tackled, um, so he's great in that regard. Um, you know, he's he's one that, that people are all over the place. Some teams don't really care for him. Other teams think he's, he's worth a first-round pick. I think he ends up going in the second round. I think a team just has to have a role and a plan for him, and uh, and you're going to have to be able to live with some of the drops because that's that's going to happen. Um, but I think ultimately – you know, he, he's, he's got a really good shot of being a top 40 pick. Both guys I've seen mocked to the Raiders at some point in the draft, either uh, later, not in the first round, obviously, but later on in the in the draft. But, uh, yeah, those are two guys that are intriguing. Uh, Hakeem Butler has a has an issue with putting the ball on the ground, though, so that's kind of a red flag for me. But David Montgomery might be a guy that the Raiders look at a little bit later. Now a guy that I'm very high on. DJ is talking about running back Josh Jacobs and why he slipped off his big board from in the top five to not even the top 32. Very, very interesting because there's a good chance he could end up a Raider on Thursday. You know he was in my mock draft that I did for the Locked On Network. Here's DJ on Josh Jacobs. Early on in the process, I go off of, you know, look, these teams haven't assembled yet. You don't know where, what, where they have players. Um, you know, we still have also, you know, see what happens at free agency. There's so much that changes. So on an early mock draft, a lot of times, if I don't have any intel, I just go, "Hey, this is you know a player I'm high on," and I've been a uh, I've been a Josh Jacobs guy from the jump. He's still in my top ten overall players, how I rank him. Um, but as you go deeper into mock drafts, you start hearing things. You start talking to people with teams. You start talking to people who know people. Um, you fo- follow who's spending time with players. You just get more information. And the way I try to explain it is, for the most part, I try and do my mock drafts with my ears based off what I'm hearing. And, uh, and I do my top 50 list off my eyes, what I think of a player. Um, so I personally think uh, Josh Jacobs is one of the 10 best football players in this draft. And I can say that while also saying I don't believe he's going to go in the top 10. I think he's likely to go in the 20s or the 30s uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, but that's why when I look at that team, Ronald Jones being a big disappointment, and still having a need at that spot, I thought, man, this guy's plug and play, and uh, he'd be a great fit for that football team. But as we, you know, go through the process, you realize, okay, what I'm hearing does not match up with them taking him at that point in time. Very interesting stuff right there. I'm going to keep this running back theme going right now. Penn State running back Miles Sanders talking about what team he thinks would be a good fit when he might come off the board. Yeah, he's just done a really good job. I mean, I, I would even just, just start with what he did in the fall, you know, having to wait his turn and then to uh, to play like he did and then deliver in the, in the postseason the way he has. I mean, he's just, he hasn't really had a misstep uh, once he got his chance. And um, you like to see that from him in terms of how high he could go. I would say it's unlikely uh, that he goes in the, in the bottom of the first round. It wouldn't totally shock me. You know, the, a team like the Rams, I mean, that, that might surprise some people considering who they have and Todd Gurley. But they've done a lot of homework on running backs. Uh, maybe that's a scenario where they, you know, trade back if, if they looked at that position. Uh, but I'd say there's a, you know, slim chance he could go bottom one. But I do think he's a, he's a lock to go in the second round. And I would anticipate he's somebody that goes in the, you know, in the top 40 to 50 picks. I think you'll see him go in the first part uh, of the second round. So he won't have to wait too long. 
All right, got a few more for you right here. This is Daniel Jeremiah's NFL Draft teleconference that you're listening to. Little breakdown of it. And right now, Iowa tight ends Noah Fant. We all know that tight end is a position of need for the Raiders. So he's talking Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, what teams he thinks will be looking at a tight end in round one. Um, look, when I kind of look at where it starts for him, um, you know, I, I think you start talking about him at seven with the Jags. Um, that would make some sense. That's kind of this. This is kind of a spot for him here. Seven to the Jags, eight to the Lions. I know uh, Ebron did not work out well for them. Obviously, he's kind of got things going with the Colts, but I could still see Hawkinson uh, fitting them and making some sense with them. Nine to Buffalo. Um, and 10 to Denver. I think all those teams, uh, tight end, can make some sense there. Uh, 12 to Green Bay, uh, potential landing spot. Um, you can kind of go on through here. I, I think uh, Minnesota is a sleeper team for a tight end. They've done a lot of homework on tight ends. That would not shock me. Uh, I mean, there's a boatload of teams that can be in the tight end market. In terms of where the floor is, um, I had I had Noah Fant going to the Raiders at 24. I don't think he'll he'll get down that far when it's all said and done. I think both those tight ends are are, are gone in the top twenty. And if it's not to a team that's there right now, you know, when you look at the uh, the Patriots having a need and the uh, and the Patriots having a lot of draft capital, I would think if either one of the Iowa tight ends started to drop and drift a little bit. Um, that that would be one phone call away for the Patriots to go get them. This stuff is so intriguing to me. And again, it's not necessarily directly about the Raiders, but it still is about the Raiders. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these players that he's talking about and being asked about could potentially be Raiders, especially with them having those three first-round picks on Thursday. It's going to be very, very interesting. And then again, picking uh, at 35 in the second round. So, I mean, it's just so many of these guys that he's talking about here could potentially end up wearing the silver and black. And so this is why this has been so much fun, at least for me. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah next is asked about Rashawn Gary. He's the edge out of Michigan, the guy that has a ton of production, but or not a ton of production. That's the knock on him. He has a a ton of athletic ability, but not a lot of production. So he's being asked what he believes his ceiling can be in the league. Here he is. Well, I mean, I was. It's funny. Um, teams are, uh, from an evaluation standpoint, and not just personnel, but coaches. Um, there's there's teams that are production based, and there are teams that are trait based in terms of what they look for in players. And the, I've talked to I talked to a coach the other day who said if I was in San Francisco, I would take Rashawn Gary over Nick Bosa. Um, there's people that, you know, that love him because of what he has from a height, weight, speed, and uh, and what he can become. Now he's got to get healthy, and then you got to hope that the production is going to follow the ability at some point in time. Some people love him. So in terms of the, uh, you know, how high could he go, um, I mean, I would probably say you, you start in the, the uh, you know, probably four or five Raiders bucks. And then, uh, you know, how low does he fall? I just can't see, you know, Miami not having drafted an alignment last year, offensively or defensively. This has to be a trench draft for them. Um, I expect them to go heavy there. And uh, just picking there at 13, I would think if Rashawn Gary fell down there that that would uh, – that would be one they would turn in quickly. So I would say that's the floor. All right, and just a couple more. I know I said that a minute ago, but really I'm down to just a couple more. Daniel Jeremiah is talking about the way the Cardinals have gone through the process with Kyler Murray, talking about speculation. Have they handled it correctly from a front office point of view? Also, if current Cardinals quarterback Josh Rosen talking to the media about his status has even hurt his possible trade talk. Here he is, Daniel Jeremiah talking things. Cardinals, Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen. Here it is. Uh, I don't think it has any impact. To me, what will impact you know the Rosen value is if you if you wait into the draft, um, and uh, and now you start seeing some of these chairs fill up with quarterbacks. You know, you get these teams that have needs, and they start filling those needs. Then I think his value starts to go down because you just can't leverage one team against another team. Um, so I don't think anything he says or does in the meantime will have much impact on his value, uh, his trade value. In terms of how they've handled it, um, yeah, look, I, I, I fully understand um, not divulging what you're going to do. Um, I would just say I, just, I find it hard to believe they don't know what they're going to do. So I think you can say, yes, we've made a decision, and uh, no, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll find out on draft day as well, everybody else. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons you do that is because if something were to happen, um, you know, Kyler Murray, anything were to take place with him, 
Um, now you're on record as saying he's your guy and you've got to navigate through those waters. And, and if you just wait until the draft, um, you're, you're covered there. So I get not saying what your decision is. I just find it hard to believe that decision hasn't already been made. All right, that's good stuff right there. And I saved the best for last. Dun, 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 dun. We are at the very end. The final one, most Raider direct. is it, It's about as Raider direct as possible. Matter of fact, I believe Michael Gelkin from the Las Vegas Review Journal was actually the one who asked this question. Uh, he was asked what Mike Mayock means when he says, foundational players, something that's very, very important for the success of the Raiders, something that I know Mike Mayock is looking for. What exactly does he mean by foundational players? Well, I, I think when you hear, you know, foundational, to me, you're talking about guys you feel are safe players that you can rely on and are going to be, you know, solid championship caliber players early on and you're going to, you know, they're second contract guys. I think with pass rusher, with edge rusher, once you get into the 20s in this draft, I know there's, uh, you know there's a lot of depth, but these guys are going to fly off the board. Um, so once you start getting into the 20s, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe a, maybe a Brian Burns could, uh, could fall down there a little bit. Maybe a, a, Cleland, a Cleland Farrell could uh, fall down there. I would put Farrell in that, in that in term. I would say he's a foundational player. Um, he's somebody that's steady, that's reliable. I know exactly what I'm getting. Um, so that would be kind of the one guy I think has a chance to be there in the 20s that I think really fits that description. I think there's a little more uh, risk with Brian Burns. You know, tremendous upside. Love his uh, his, his get off and, and speed, um, but played really light last year. Added a bunch of weight. You know, can he hold that weight? Is a question. Uh, and I just again, I when I hear that word foundational, I think of you know steady, safe, dependable, reliable. Um, and that's where, you know, a, a guy like Farrell makes sense in that regard. All right, Raider Nation, there it was. That was the Daniel Jeremiah breakdown from his uh, NFL draft teleconference. Hopefully you enjoyed that. That was a lot of clips, probably like 20-something, right? At least 20 clips. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully that's got you just peeking. Peek, peek, peek. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be on full tilt, like ready to go for the NFL draft. Hopefully uh, I've gotten you there and achieved that goal. Uh, got a lot of stuff I'll be working on later on, on, on today, on Wednesday, actually. Uh, you know, this is, again, I'm recording this on Tuesday night, but I'll be doing a lot of stuff NFL draft related on Wednesday, getting a lot of sound from uh, players, analysts, and a lot more. And I will bring that to you on Thursday show, kind of getting you primed and ready for Round number one. And then on Friday, obviously, I'll be talking about, well, what the results of round one were. And then, well, on Monday, uh, it's going to be a full meal deal, be able to talk about the whole draft, thoughts about it. Obviously, you have a lot of calls at that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. This has been awesome. I hope you're enjoying it. And Raider Nation, get ready to enjoy the draft. Uh, we got a couple more shows. Well, at least one more show before the actual draft. But... We're about as close as it gets, Raider Nation. So we made it. We made it. We've made it. Take a deep breath and realize that it's almost here. It is almost go time. Go get all the beer. Go get all the liquor that you might need. Do what you got to do. Just prepare yourself. The NFL draft is right here. We're on the eve of it right now. So until next time, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.